This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Paul Puckett, the director of the Enterprise Cloud Management Agency that reports to the Office of the Chief Information Officer for the Army. Paul, welcome to the program. Great to talk to you again. Hey, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So we're talking about cloud, of course, because that's what you do. But really, the reason you and I are talking today is because I had written a story a couple of weeks ago about DISA and their decision and their strategy to kind of move away from third-party resellers and systems integrators, specifically for the JWCC Joint Warfighter Cloud capability. And you had responded on LinkedIn, which I love. So I want, number one, I appreciate your response. And it was not a, uh, you weren't throwing flames, which I appreciate too, because Sometimes uh, journalists, you never know with the flames that come out. But you made some interesting points saying you don't disagree with the article, but maybe some of the quotes. So let's just maybe have that conversation a little bit in more detail. The Army is buying cloud. DOD is changing the way they're buying cloud. How is that happening? How are you seeing those changes, you know, kind of spurred not just from DISA, but really across the the board? One, thanks for uh, replying back to my LinkedIn post. Uh, You know, it's nice to use social media to, to get conversations going. And, and we uh, really, what I, all I posted was, hey, this is this article is intriguing to me. And I kind of left it at that. And I let the conversation flow as, as people read and, and consumed and shared their thoughts. But to, I, I think, make sense of what the DOD is doing when it comes in the cloud, even to make sense of what the Army is doing uh, in the cloud, I think we need to step into the, the Wayback Machine prior to when the Enterprise Cloud Management Office uh, was created back in 2019. And I came on board to the Army is I think people just need to understand how uh, entities within the DoD were buying cloud infrastructure, whether that's infrastructure or platform and software as a service capabilities, but how people were buying cloud. Because I think in order to understand the strategy around JBCC, in order to understand the strategy that the Army employed from day one when I first came on board, uh, you need to understand how people were buying cloud. And so typically, we were treating cloud kind of like uh, just the computing and storage infrastructure that we typically need. And we were baking it into a full stack acquisition, right? So programs would say, hey, I, you know, I need somebody to build a widget. It needs to be the best widget in the world. Uh, it needs to be, quote, in the cloud, right? Uh, and what we're happening, we're, you know, integrators, we're bidding on that, coming up with a full stack solution. Hey, I can build you that widget. It's going to be in the cloud. And, and the DOD, you know, was buying that, you know, program office by program office, you know, entity by entity, whatever you might have. But what's important to unpack there is, you know, oftentimes these integrators to be competitive and also leveraging the relationships that they have, maybe they worked with a reseller to get access to a cloud service provider. Maybe they worked uh, even their corporate relationships to get access to a cloud service provider and they were packaging it, you know, all up together and essentially presenting it as their their full stack solution. That's great because we're able to see capabilities starting to get built. Like there is good that that came out of that. But when you take that model and try and employ it uh, to the scale of of the army, let alone the DOD, that model doesn't scale. And so there are implications then also, you know, if they're using their corporate relationship to get access to a CSP, yeah, maybe there's, there's great discount rates that their corporate relationship is getting but we can't see what we're spending for cloud infrastructure. And that's an issue. Or the integrator is the one that actually owns the account and therefore owns the rights to the account, owns the actual you know, 
uh, use of the account, has all the administrative access to the account. And, and this becomes a challenge, especially as you see the DoD lean in saying that we need to own our data. So really, as we pivot from that model to the scale of the DoD, uh, you know, and what your article kind of poked at is, is people aren't aware of kind of how we've been buying cloud to date generally. And what needs to be the case when you start talking about doing this at scale, especially if you want to have the lowest rates possible that are also universally accessible across the DoD. And that's kind of the, the entry point, if you will, of why I responded uh, to your article. So one thing that comes up is you talk about how DoD is buying cloud. And, and so, for instance, you're buying the for years, DoD was buying it kind of in that full stack solution. You're buying the, the infrastructure piece, the application development piece, the consultancy piece. And now what you're kind of and what DoD is going down the path of is saying, we're going to buy them in, in, in pieces versus the full solution. Is that correct? Is, is that the thought process? DoD will buy their cloud and then buy things to go on top of the cloud. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I tried to communicate this, but what a lot of people don't know is this is the model that the Army has employed uh, as part of the ECMO from day one. And so when I first presented the, the strategy for the Army to the Secretary in February of 2020, uh, we got into discussion of what enterprise contracts need to exist. And the way that I said it was, there's a way that you buy cloud services. There's a way that you secure a cloud ecosystem that meets whatever you know policy of the DoD and DISA and our partners and then there's the way that you build mission capabilities, leveraging the cloud. And so the way that you buy the cloud, the way the secure cloud ecosystem, the way that you build a cloud matters. And when you talk about doing this at scale, I believe the right strategy is you have to get after essentially a, a contract agreement, something structured simply around buying cloud. Because what that means is it establishes one, a relationship with the CSPs that understands the, the full picture of the possibilities when it comes to our investment in cloud infrastructure. And what you want is you want the major CSPs to be playing there, whether they're an infrastructure and platform or even a software as a service player, as the service models have a different type of uh, essentially acquisition as well as legal structure to them when it comes to what that relationship looks like. Uh, and so you have to establish those relationships as close as you possibly can directly with the CSPs. It also establishes one for those CSPs to be able to compete against each other for the, you know, putting out the lowest rates possible to buy their services. And what that means for us is one, we own the accounts, the DOD owns the accounts. And so therefore we own the continuity of the capability of leveraging the cloud. Two, we can see our investment and also optimize that over time. And then three is we start to get this essentially kind of uh, essentially smooth kind of ability to be able to estimate what our investment in cloud is going to look like. You know, the old model, when we go full stack acquisition by full stack acquisition, you know, I could be paying, you know, five cents, you know, for, you know, an EC2 or a virtual machine, whatever it might be in the cloud on one program and be spending 50 bucks on another. And that volatility creates an issue, especially when you want to start to start to palm for, hey, what is my investment in the cloud? going to look like. So not only do we need to see what our investment is, which oftentimes wasn't possible in the old model, uh, but two, we need to be able to start to plan for that and see what our trajectory starts to look like over time uh, so we can start to you know, kind of project what our actual spend in the cloud is going to look like. And that's even more important 
as we are essentially redesigning systems to leverage cloud infrastructure effectively and efficiently, right? Rather than the, the fixed models that we've employed in the data center. So buying, right, in its own structure is really important, but that also leaves room for, you know, some of the integrators or partners or CSPs, you know, may be specialized in how you secure a cloud ecosystem. Maybe, maybe some people aren't that great at how you buy it, but they're really great at how you secure a cloud ecosystem. And so part of our model is we want to let a contract and have the absolute best of the best understand what it means uh, to provide essentially a secure cloud ecosystem as a service. This is what we call C-Army uh, in the Army is, is really us leveraging hyperscalers to deploy the Army enterprise when it comes to the common services uh, for adopting cloud. And when you have those building blocks, we've got a universal way for the Army to buy a universal way for essentially a secure cloud ecosystem. Now, when we go and compete for delivering mission capabilities, we're having companies present the absolute best of the best of the solution for those mission capabilities. They're not competing on their ability to like resell the cloud for us. They're, they're competing on their ability to essentially design and deliver and iterate against the best mission capabilities possible, leveraging a government secure cloud ecosystem and leveraging essentially a universal way to buy cloud uh, at scale. And so that model is the model that the Army has employed really from day one uh, as part of the ECMO. And I believe it's the right model that we see DOD taking and that buying structure for how we move that into JWCC. One of the things that came up and, and we, I think the story on LinkedIn that I posted that you commented on that created a whole series of comments. I think you had something like 50 or 55 comments and there was an interesting mix. Some people saw your point and leaned one way and other people were kind of in the middle and some were very clear to say, well, are you missing out on the, the types of services, the benefits of SIs? And, and then at the same time, there's a reason why, and let's pick on Microsoft for a second, Traditionally, they didn't sell directly to the government. They went through a third-party reseller for an assortment of reasons. There was a lot of compliance issues. There's a lot of paperwork issues. There's a lot of government accounting issues that maybe they just didn't want to deal with that the reseller could deal with. So by saying their place, their role is changing, is that forcing Microsoft or Google or whomever it is to change too? And if they want to play in the market, then they have to change. I mean, is, is that what basically the, the, the army and others are saying to them? This is so important because one of the things in your article, I'll say that uh, that gave me some moments of pause and more so it was, how are we communicating our strategy clearly uh, so uh, that we don't see these, uh, these anonymous quotes in the future of, you know, people in the DOD are saying that there's no place for for integrators or resellers. That's just absolutely not true, but it's on us to be able to communicate that more effectively. And that's, again, uh, why I've reached out is, is, is uh, I want to make sure that this is as, as clear as possible. One, when it comes to the way that we secure cloud ecosystem, as well as build amazing mission capabilities for our soldiers, that is immense room for integrators as well as uh, resellers uh, to help us in that journey, right? That, that they are, have, absolutely have to be our, our partners because how we essentially reimagine the way that we do business, leveraging cloud infrastructure at scale as a global resource that's on demand for our mission, um, but do so securely, leveraging modern technology, new software capabilities, 100%. Uh, that is all of the room for integrators and resellers to help us uh, because that's that's where we need them the most. 
And when you look at the way that we would be buying cloud services and these kind of sporadic one-off ways, kind of program by program by program by program, that's a lot of nuanced and individual noise for a CSP to manage directly. And so it would make sense for a CSP uh, in each one of those moments to partner with a reseller. But when you start to say, hey, I want to establish these relationships on behalf of the DOD, whether a CSP wants to essentially build that in-house or still partner through a reseller, that's on, that's on the CSP to decide for what makes sense for them and how they want to run their business. But what we're, what we're trying to say is here's the greatest, you know, market opportunity when it comes to the DOD's investment in hyperscale cloud. We see value as having that direct relationship, you know, with the CSPs themselves. And so what I hope is explicitly clear is that there is immense value for systems integrators and resellers to collaborate with the DOD as we secure and build amazing cloud services, cloud-enabled services for our, our mission. But we believe the best way for the lowest rates and the right structure between us and the hyperscalers is to enter in a direct relationship with those CSPs for how we buy cloud services. Paul, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guest today is Paul Puckett, the director of the Enterprise Cloud Management Agency that reports to the office of the CIO for the Army. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Paul Puckett, the director of the Enterprise Cloud Management Agency that reports to the office of the CIO for the Army. The one thing that also kind of comes up many times when we saw this, and and uh, I will defend the anonymous quotes in the sense that nobody wants to piss off their customer and everybody does sure. business with DOD. So sure. there's always a little bit of that too. But do you think the confusion comes from the fact that, well, DOD has been buying cloud a certain way for the last 10, 12 years, and now it's it's almost like a right-hand turn and, and, and people are going, whoa, what's going on here? Or is it just the duty is, is bucking the trend now and people don't like change. They have to get used to it. It's a new mindset. What, what do you think is the reason why people are a little unsteady about the, the, this direction? Well, I, I believe it's it's probably a number of variables. And, and what I try to always remember is, you know, if you feel like someone's not hearing you effectively, is there something that you are you are saying or not saying to make that unclear? And so uh, I've always put it back on us and how we communicate a strategy that's really important when it comes to establishing this strategy for the Army back in uh, you know, 2019 is when we started, but really started to put this out there as, hey, this is the way that we're going to approach this. We did it in 20. We tried to make it explicitly clear. Hey, this is how we're going to start to structure how we buy, how we secure, and how we build capabilities in the cloud. Uh, so I think there's there's always something on us when it comes to how we communicate this strategy. But I think there's a, a few different variables at play. One is... You were starting to see these kind of uh, similar offices to the ECMA stand up across the services. We're even starting to see them stand up in some of the down traces as people that want to start to understand the cloud journey of, of their organization. And so uh, the different ways to essentially, you know, sell a capability into the DoD has, has different flavors. Some have the flavor of an enterprise model for the entire you know, service like the Army does. And some programs are actually still acquiring full stack solutions, right? For someone to uh, build a widget, but also be able to secure and uh, buy cloud services. And so I think the fact that we're in a transitional architecture, both organizationally, as well as from an acquisition perspective, kind of leaves this, hey, which, which way am I, you know, supposed to be interacting with the government when it comes to, to cloud? But what I hope is clear is absolutely we are on this trajectory 
where we can start to deliver more enterprise services as a service to include an enterprise vehicle for buying cloud, right? which is the intention of a JWCC across uh, the DoD. And we're going to start to see those one-off ways, at the very least of how we buy cloud, start to transition into more of those enterprise models. Uh, but there will always be uh, kind of the outliers, right? What we're super mindful of in the Army is, you know, we're probably delivering an 80% solution. There's probably that 20% of nuance. Uh, but we want essentially all of those initiatives to come collaborate for us to understand where we can reuse enterprise services so we can avoid rework, we can avoid wasting people's time, we can avoid wasting money. Uh, but most importantly, we can avoid the delay in capability getting to our soldiers. Uh, is, is we've seen an immense change in the lead time uh, to start building a capability in the cloud and start testing the capability with uh, customers. And typically the lead time was from about nine to 12 months to get after initiative in the cloud. Whereas now we have capabilities onboarding and starting to deliver services in tests in a matter of you know weeks, two weeks at a time. So we think that there's immense value in this transition and it's communicating not only the value, but also then here's how you play and collaborate with us integrators and resellers. And here's the places for you to collaborate with us uh, so that we can be on the outcomes side of, lever of leveraging cloud infrastructure for how we secure and build the capabilities within commercial cloud environments. One of the things this will require of systems integrators and resellers is, and people maybe hate this a little trite, but a sharper pencil, right? So if I'm if you have a widget that I need to build and I'm going to come to you and I want to build it on AWS or Azure or Google or Oracle Cloud, I don't have to worry about the cost of the cloud, but I have to know that I'll need this many virtual machines for, for development. I'll need this many virtual machines for production and I'll need this many virtual machines if you go from 1,000 users to 10,000 users, right? So the, the SI has got to know all that. And I think that's why there was that attractiveness of that full stack because they control all of those increases, meaning, well, if I need access to instead of 5,000 machines, 10,000 machines, I have that ability. Now I have to tell you, Paul, hey, can you turn up that to, to from five to 10,000 machines because this, this program needs more? I mean, that's the thing that I keep hearing from SIs and others about that maybe the Army or, or, or DOD more broadly is not taking into consideration that there are some skill sets that the army or, or, or duty doesn't have to, to understand that full life cycle of, of a widget. Um, does that, Ooh. I hope that makes sense of what I'm asking you and, 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 and fitting the pieces together. Well, well it does, but I also want to push back when you design systems for a fixed environment, like a data center that has limited physical space, limited power, space, and cooling, right? especially when it comes to how we typically have to acquire physical hardware uh, from a compute and storage perspective uh, and go in, uh, you know, have it delivered, uh, hook it all up, configure it, get it accredited for use, all of those different pieces, that lead time is long. And we also want to have the, the greatest discount of the buy. And so the way the DoD has typically acquired systems in a fixed environment like a data center requires all of that upfront, I would say, prophecy as to what that investment needs to look like and what those resources need to look like from a compute and storage perspective. But the problem with essentially copy and pasting that into a cloud environment is you may find that you are estimating and therefore being provisioned resources that you will never use. It, and this pivot is critical 
for when it comes to how we buy cloud as a utility. The NDAA called this out. We need to stop buying, you know, computing infrastructure, storage infrastructure, like this fixed thing in a data center. We need to start designing systems and services that are intended as a distributed architecture, that are intended to leverage elastic scalability, one of the core components of what differentiates cloud computing from typical on-premise compute. Like, these design patterns need to be employed. So I would push back if someone said, well, hey, the, the problem with this model is I have an issue with estimating precisely what the future looks like. You're right, you do. Uh, and I don't want you to do that. Uh, I want you to come with a design that leverages every single capability of the cloud to enhance the way that my mission is executed. I, I want you to leverage auto scaling. I want you to leverage you know, ephemeral designs where things can come and go, that's okay. And, and the challenge that we have collectively then is how do we actually see what is delivering capabilities for the mission? How do we start to see kind of how that's being delivered and what those costs start to look like so we can make the right investments over time and how we consume the cloud? Because I would argue the model that we have where we estimate everything up front, we spend all of that money up front and then never use the resources. We are paying money on the actual physical infrastructure we never use. We're paying money on the people to maintain both the physical as well as the virtual environment, as well as the security concerns within that virtual environment that may become security risk, again, for computing storage resources that we never use. And it's also taking up precious space within our data centers that could be for the absolutely critical services that should run in an on-premise private cloud uh, environment. And so... It's back to, I think, how the DOD puts, quote, requirements out there is oftentimes we say, hey, the requirement is for X to come with an explicit, you know, design of exactly how much compute you're going to need in a worst case scenario. And that's where we actually need the best partnerships is with, you know, integrators and resellers to say, hey, this is actually how you should be putting out requirements that allows us to leverage the cloud and have that flexibility over time to leverage even new services as they come online. We have to write better acquisitions that empowers integrators and resellers to go and again, secure and build capabilities in the cloud that leverages cloud infrastructure to the greatest extent possible. I've heard that time and again over the years that agencies would plan for the rainy day scenario. Well, in the worst case, we would need a thousand servers, but we really, most cases we need a hundred, but you got to have that thousand just in case, because if you needed one, you needed one and you couldn't wait six months or whatever it took to get it in. With the cloud, obviously you don't need to do that, but, but that can be built into the requirements from a full stack perspective to say, oh, we're gonna start at 10 VMs and then over time we'll have the ability to increase by fives or, 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 or twos or however it is as we see the need increase. But, but from your perspective, I imagine that means, well, what do you pay for? Because acquisitions, and the way funding works is you don't pay by the drink anyways. That's a that's a huge problem. That's a whole different discussion you and I could have. But but is that it also is. part of it? Is you can't say to the to the SI, I will pay for up to a hundred VMs and here's the money up front, because you're still paying for capabilities you may never use. I mean, that's that's what we're that's part of the problem here too. Yeah, well, it is. So again, but that's more of an issue and a challenge, I would say, in in the um the older model for how we would buy cloud infrastructure is again, it, like for instance, if it was a firm fixed price capability, all that investment would be uh, you know, upfront. Uh, and whether we were effective or not with how we consume infrastructure was almost irrelevant at that point. 
uh, but then our ability to go and report to Congress, hey, what was your investment in cloud infrastructure versus your investments in labor of an integrator versus your investments in software? I almost have no ability to articulate that differentiation in that model. So again, I would change the actual metrics of success. We should not be dictating, you need 10 virtual machines. We should be dictating, hey, here are the service level objectives, right? Here are the service level agreements. Here's the actual SLAs. Here's the actual availability and a percentage uh, of these critical services. Here's the time that it needs to be for me to be able to process some data and then execute some decision by starting to put out parameters of how we want to function and operate, what our objectives of a mission are, we actually create space and room for the technical design that'll deliver that service. Uh, someone in the army was uh, actually telling me about there's a requirement that they have to field 22 servers with very specific uh, computing parameters uh, to every single entity across the army to process submission. Uh, and we'd actually be able to sp spend a crazy less amount of money if we delivered a persistent cloud capability and then fielded the delta of actual physical resources. But the requirement says everybody gets 22 servers. So that we have to change essentially the metrics and the parameters when it comes to how we measure the success of the objectives that we intend to achieve with any mission capability. Paul, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guest today is Paul Puckett, the director of the Enterprise Cloud Management Agency that reports to the office of the CIO for the Army. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Paul Puckett, the director of the Enterprise Cloud Management Agency that reports to the office of the CIO for the Army. Oh, we've spent a lot of the discussion so far talking about this change that this is helping to uh, push forward with through JWCC in, in many ways. And, and what this is doing, the model they're using for JWCC is something that the army has been using since I guess you're, when you go back to February, 2020, that strategy for C army, help me understand how the army has changed the way it's buying cloud. How, how does this model work? Part of this model was, was informed by some of the lessons learned that I'll say from my time over in uh, the intelligence community because at the time we were, we were still buying services as a kind of a fixed resource, albeit at an on-demand price. And, and a lot of, again, designs that we were kind of lifting and shifting into uh, a cloud environment were designed for a fixed architecture rather than leveraging uh, cloud infrastructure at scale. And so, you know, this was an informed decision for how we want to buy, how we want to secure and how we want to build capabilities. So the way that it works is you've essentially, and for instance, I'll just model what JWCC intends to be is, the government owns the contractual relationship, the legal relationship with the hyperscalers or a, a reseller if they choose to, you know, to, to enable that, that structure on the, on the hyperscaler side. But there's that market opportunity across the entire DoD of what that buy could look like that actually helps then a hyperscaler project, here's what my rates look like. And they're able to compete against each other for what, for what those rates look like. We would still let an acquisition to an integrator that says, hey, we want you to build a widget, but we are going to broker the relationship for how you get an account within a hyperscaler. That's the buying side. So we are going to provide for you the contractual means by which uh, you, on behalf of the government, are building a capability in the cloud. And then how your program office is going to pay your bill with a hyperscaler through our agreement for buying cloud that we leverage, that we call CAMA. And then you're gonna do it 
within an already accredited and secure cloud environment that we call C-Army, right? So that's the way that those three pieces fit together. We have it templatized in our uh, all of our new acquisitions that want to go out and build a capability quote in the cloud, have, have these in the T's and C's that says, hey, uh, the way that you're going to essentially buy you know, cloud infrastructure is going to be through our relationship with the CSPs, not your own uh, corporate relationship or you going to a reseller. The environment in which you, you are going to build your, you know, your awesome, great capability for the mission is going to be an our secure cloud environment called C-Army. Um, because we believe that one, security is paramount for how we're building capabilities in the cloud. Uh, but two, we want those hooks into the enterprise way of doing business that actually allows you to be seen part of a greater you know, ecosystem of the army, uh, let alone even the DOD, right? Like too often the way that people were building and securing cloud environment were like these little mini enclaves that only talk to themselves or maybe the programs that they needed to talk to. Uh, it was we need to start to expose more and more of these things as a service so that, you know, if we land on great value for the army and there's utility for reuse of that capability as a service across the DOD, we want it accessible, we want it secure, we want it routable, we want all of those things so that others can can leverage that capability rather than having to rebuild their own things simply because of how we contracted the capability or how we actually you know designed and secure the capability. And so it's we templatize it, we manage the relationships, and then we let the integrator essentially come with the best design, leveraging the best CSP. Um, and part of that down select is how then that capability comes to be within the ecosystem. Would you walk me through maybe a recent acquisition? Obviously, you can anonymize the who, the what, the when, the how. It seems like a, from from an outsider's perspective, it seems like you're, for lack of a better word, wow, that's a lot of extra work. But but maybe it's not. So maybe maybe if you could put it in in real terms, that I'd appreciate that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll break it down. So when it comes to a new acquisition, we say, hey, integrator, we want you to go and design the best mission capability and solution partner with whatever resellers, you know, whatever that value add looks like, that's great. Come with a design, uh, come with a CSP in mind, or even a hybrid cloud architecture in mind. Like we want you to employ the best of best because what we need to acknowledge is, you know, integrators uh, kind of start to have their own people that are enabled in some clouds, you know, hyperscalers versus others, right? We shouldn't ignore that fact. You know, far too often I hear every single integrator is, you know, cloud agnostic, and that's just in reality, that's not true. I want people to tap into their great people and their skill sets that they have. And if they think that a capability needs to employ a hybrid model for on-premise as well as public, leveraging a myriad of, of CSPs, we wanna see that in their design, but all part of the acquisition process of selecting, depending on the contract, the best value, hopefully not lowest price, technically acceptable, like the things that actually get after the objectives that we have, we want integrators to come with their design and compete against each other for their great ability to build a capability leveraging cloud services. And we want that to be where the competition lies. We don't want to see the government having these weird feelings and opinions of one CSP or another like that. We want essentially the, the community, right? Integrators to come with what is the best design. But simply saying is, hey, depending on what CSPs you choose, you know, we have these brokered relationships with these that we believe meets the parameters of being able to uh, support the DOD mission with the appropriate specifications, right? You see that in some of the selection criteria for JWCC, you know, but if, say there's one that they believe is a, a critical capability that's not part of that relationship. I think part of that, that opportunity is then to be able to see 
why do you believe that it's capable of being accredited, being able to be secured, being able to meet DOD parameters? We always want to leave appropriate room, uh, room open. But that saying is saying, hey, here are the relationships we have, here are the rates that we have, come with your best architecture. And as part of that you know, uh, evaluation criteria, the best, hopefully the best solution is chosen. And then we simply broker their access to the accounts that the government owns for the CSPs that you know, were part of their design and the secure landing zones within those you know, commercial cloud environments uh, that would be equivalent to C-Army. That's how we, we do it for the Army today. And so it's simply the same as we have these, you know, these relationships, but we want you to come with a great design. It's, it's almost akin to kind of the type of you know, relationship of like an enterprise license agreement that you have, right? Like these, these common and kind of services and, and software that we have uh, kind of a greater enterprise relationship with is, you know, we have those, those relationships established and like those are simply ELAs that then any new acquisition is capable of uh, kind of aligning under and then leveraging. All right, I appreciate that. And that's helpful because I think, again, it goes back to understanding your process, how it works, how it all fits together. Paul, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guest today is Paul Puckett, the director of the Enterprise Cloud Management Agency that reports to the office of the CIO for the Army. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Paul Puckett, the director of the Enterprise Cloud Management Agency that reports to the office of the CIO for the Army. C-Army is now, uh, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, about a year and a half and, and maybe pushing almost two years. You said February 2020 was you launched the strategy. So, so let's talk about some of the progress you're making, some of the changes that you've seen and how you're buying cloud, how you understand how that process works. There's a few different ways to, to unpack some of the, the successes. So for instance, uh, the utility and the value of having a secure cloud ecosystem that is already accredited, right? meets the, the current design of the secure cloud computing architecture, provides all of those components as a common service, reusable service for entities, and then also understanding how systems are designed and built in the cloud, tools and processes and hooks across the enterprise of the army uh, to accelerate how people adopt uh, the cloud, whether that's you know scripting the actual deployment of the actual uh, environment in which they're going to build to all the enabling services for access, credentialing, uh, hooks into other components for patching services, data services. All of those are simply capabilities of uh, C-Army today. And, and really the, the kind of the first opportunity was shortly after presenting that strategy uh, in a partnership with the Office of Business Transformation. Together, we were able to move their ERPs leveraging of the cloud left about three months. We were also able to avoid spending $8 million when it comes to adopting those services. And really that was kind of customer number one in a partnership that we established with uh, the Army Analytics Group in providing C-Army as, as an ecosystem. Uh, we're seeing a kind of similar speed and adoption. Uh, for instance, our ability to support in Project Convergence 21 uh, was leveraging a relationship that we had with uh, the 82nd Airborne. Uh, as well as ATEC and their ability to leverage C-Army Azure uh, on the uh, secret side uh, and be able to actually uh, employ uh, Azure stack capabilities at the edge, uh, collecting data and learning from Project Convergence 21, and then being able to share that data back with the persistent uh, cloud capability that we have in C-Army Azure secret 
as part of a partnership that we have with AFC and the DDSD. And they wouldn't have had the ability to essentially fold into the already accredited ecosystem. They would have to start from scratch uh, for some kind of, you know, ATO package for the things that they wanted to test. Uh, and we were able to simply say, hey, those baseline, you know, cloud services that you want to leverage, we're going to incorporate them as part of our accreditation package. And then you as a tenant get to inherit these capabilities and use them. And something that would have easily taken six to nine months, even in experimentation uh, space was something that the collective team was able to get done in about two months in time for Project Convergence 21. And then just a recent conversation uh, with one of our customers, you know, part of the, the point of moving to this utility model is to be able to see how you consume services, see now your architecture is designed that may be either responsible for the good or the bad of how you consume or don't consume those services, and then being able to optimize your design. Uh, and part of that optimization, one of the customers uh, that I was just talking with uh, last week said with our tool that shows them how they're consuming cloud services with Cloud Tracker and our camo uh, agreement, uh, they're going to be able to optimize their monthly cloud spend by $250,000. Like our ability to be able to see how we're consuming cloud is so critical for us to then be able to optimize our systems. Um, and again, in, in the fixed model that we had before, we would have never had that opportunity. And so that's, that's why it's so invaluable for these to be common services across the enterprise, that we actually put the tools and the skill sets in the hands of our customers to optimize how they're actually consuming cloud services. And that's where we've seen, you know, not only the, the timeline shift to the left, um, not only like different mission capabilities and outcomes be enhanced, uh, but also then for our investment into the cloud to be right-sized over time so we can take those cost savings or that cost avoidance and push that into enhancing mission capabilities and actually delivering better solutions for our soldiers to change the way that we fight for the better. I think the, the key piece there that I heard was the understanding what you're spending today and then saving money. So the, the one uh, customer who you mentioned using Cloud Tracker and Camo optimizing spend by 250000 a month. Now, for DOD, that's maybe not a ton of money, but for a mission area, for a specific area to say, hey, we can then take that money and put it somewhere else, that's really what you're trying to get to, to towards something that's that's more mission important than spending money on services that we may or may not need, that may or not be, we may be paying, as you mentioned earlier, five cents for, for a virtual machine or $50 for a virtual machine, we really don't know. So I think that's the win there that, that I think a lot of people have to recognize. Yeah, so I think, you know, people are like, you know, $250,000, you know, a drop, you know, spit in the bucket. The reality is that $250,000 a month compounding every single month, that's avoided. And every single dollar, you know, that we avoid is another dollar compounding over a month that we've avoided over time. And, and that adds up quickly, right? Th those numbers start to change, especially when you get after, for instance, one of the old studies that we did back when I was in the intelligence community, we found that the lift and shift of systems into the cloud on average uh, was four cents per turn on the dollar. Why was that? It was because we spun up a whole bunch of infrastructure in the cloud that we never used because we lift and shifted a, a data center model. And so that's also money that we're sinking in every single hardware refresh within our data center. And so being able to now see you know, that waste is the critical first step to then being able to change it. That is, I, I think, some of the critical power then is all of that money compounds over time and gets paid back into the resource pool of, of opportunity. So now when we go to Congress and say, here's our investment in infrastructure, 
one, we're able to project what that actually starts to really look like, um, at the very least with our, you know, our user adoption or the market we have today. But then also allows us to say, because of that avoidance, here's the mission capabilities that now I can be enhancing that otherwise I would have just been sustaining because money would have gone into infrastructure that it turns out I never needed in the first place. Paul, the one question we haven't talked about today and I think we have to get to as part of this interview is, okay, JWCC is going to be set up. DOD expects to have it in place sometime in the spring, early summer. What's that mean for Sea Army? What's that mean for other of the services, even like the Air Force with, with Cloud One and Platform One? And is it a shift? Is it what happens to these kind of one-offs that have been kind of creating? Uh, how are you guys in the Army planning to, to take advantage of JWCC? Yeah, so so uh, again, the, the common translation between what the Army's doing today um, and, and what is planned in the future with JWCC, the closest relationship is how we buy cloud today, right? See Army as a secure cloud ecosystem you know, will persist. Uh, you know, the way that we let contracts to build amazing capabilities for the Army will persist. But the way that we buy, you know, could shift. And what we'd be looking for there is what are the lead times for acquisitions, right? What is the actual timeline of like, hey, I need an account when it's actually provisioned. Um, and then also what are the rates, right? Like I want to be a good steward of my investment. Um, you know, I, I want to ensure that the DOD has the lowest rates possible. I hope uh, that JWCC comes back with even lower rates uh, than what we have today uh, with Camo. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, I'm, I'm very proud to say that we have the lowest rates across unclassified secret uh, cloud infrastructure uh, today with Camo, but I hope JWCC knocks that out of the park. Um, but we still need to be able to deliver our mission capabilities. If it takes us longer and costs us more money to leverage JWCC, uh, we're going to push back pretty hard, right? Because that's going to be an implication for our mission as well as our budget. Um, and so I know that, that you know, DISA has the same goals of JWCC, but those are some of the things that, uh, that we're looking at and that we're paying attention to. Uh, we've been you know, working very closely with that team uh, really from day one in providing the lessons learned of what's worked uh, within Camo and Sea Army uh, and how we led acquisitions. Uh, and so we want to ensure that they're as successful as possible. But, you know, when it finally becomes real, uh, we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing for the taxpayer. Uh, and we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing for our mission. Uh, and that gets down to the lead time and, and the cost. Um, so, I, man, I, 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 hope, I hope JWCC gets live here pretty soon. Um, I think once the rest of the DOD is able to see some of the outcomes uh, that the Army's been able to see, uh, I think you're going to see some really great transformational moments. Paul, we, we could talk longer, and I'm sure we will in the future. And you I will write more stories that elicit more of your uh, feedback for through uh, LinkedIn and other ways. So, uh, again, I'd like to thank you for that. Well, uh, let me thank my guest for his time today. Paul Puckett is the director of the Enterprise Cloud Management Agency that reports to the Office of the CIO for the Army. Paul, thanks so much for taking the time. Jason, thank you so much for having me. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.